Blog Talk Radio. Hello, I'm that annoying voice from your computer, and I too took a left at the valley with Kevin and Karen, and it was totally binary. Woke up this morning, had a burning deep inside. Like when you're feeling It's all a big lie I feel the pain There's hunger and despair Soft the rhetoric of your teaching Time for us to share Well, we are back. Welcome to Lifted the Valley. Kevin and Karen. Hi, Karen. Uh, welcome back to the show, guys. It's been a couple of weeks, and we got a great show going on today. We, this is a packed room we got here today. You want to do some introductions? I think we should just start um, with Tracy and go around the room, and everyone can introduce themselves. Then what? What is this? Alcoholic and Yes. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Tracy. Uh, my name is Tracy Loeffler, and I've recently been elected as a school trustee here for the District of Mission. Uh, my name is Scott Susson. I'm a teacher in Mission. Uh, I've been living in Mission for about 10 years. Um, Liam, who you know, I guess. <laughs> Liam, you know who you know, I guess. <laughs> I'm standing here looking shyly at the mic of Robin and, and Vern. <laughs> of left, of, I was going to say Left in the Valley. Natural Selection. And Natural Selection and Father Vern. And I'm Nancy Gallagher, and I'm sort of an irregular member of the crew. <laughs> left of the Valley, and glad to be here. Oh, and I'm Karen, and this is Kevin. Well, welcome to the show. For you guys who don't know, might not know the show, this is a show about positive atheism, secular humanism, and skeptical thinking. And today we're doing a special on education. The big things, the big questions. And this is why we have a trustee, and we have a school teacher, we have a student, we have parents. So hopefully we get through all of this. So welcome to all of you guys for being here today. Yes, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to do the motion. What school are you at, Liam? Uh, MSS. Mm-hmm. You've been there the whole time? Uh, yes. What elementary school? Uh, Mission Central. Gotcha. Okay. Well, before we uh, before we go into uh, more details of this, I, I want my... Uh, we did a very brief introduction there, but uh, can, uh, Tracy and Scott, can you guys give us more of a background as to uh, where you guys came out of, how you got into the educational business, I guess, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera? <laughs> I'll pass on to you. Okay. Go ahead. Follow up. Uh, well, I uh, I am also a parent of uh, I've got two kids that are in Mission Public Schools, and uh, there were some issues, you know, happening with my kids' schools, and um, that was essentially the catalyst for getting me, you know, uh, connected with what was happening at the school board level and more at a district level rather than just uh, what was happening in uh, my own kids' school. So that. That catalyst, as well as then the uh, teacher strike and and lockout, uh, really sort of got it was another catalyst. So really, just doing lots of research and looking at, at things from a, a, a global perspective, not just a parent perspective. And thought with the election coming up, I thought, hey, I I can do this, and I I did it because I genuinely want to uh, try to make try to make a difference and and try to make it better and be part of the solution. So. I'm new. It's only been, I think, six months in the role, but uh, it's it's 
that's sort of how I got there. I'm a parent and decided to try to be part of the solution. And it totally paid off. Now you're at the left of the valley. You see? Yes. Yes. Scott. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I've been a teacher for about uh, ten years. Um, I've slowly uh, witnessed the um, slow decimation, I guess, and destruction of our public education system um, firsthand from uh, from the front lines of the trenches, um, which I'm sure we can get into further detail. But um, I really started to get involved more so than just a teacher um, through the union standpoint, through meetings, through different committees, uh, whatnot. But just because I truly, truly believe in the value of public education um, and what and how well it can benefit us as a society, and and I also believe in um, in our kids being the most valuable resource ever, and I think we need to provide them uh, with the adequate you know resources and funding and teaching and all that type of stuff. And when I see it, when I see it slowly being removed. You know, over the years, through whatever, through different bills, through different legislation, um, it becomes quite upsetting and concerning to me. Uh, more so now over the last two years because we had our first child. And uh, she's not going to be in the system for about another three years, but the way we're going right now is really scary to me to think that she's going to be in the system. Um, so, you know, first off, it was just as a, as a teacher. Um, feeling my own personal feeling that I could not support my kids in the class. Um, but now it's a, it's a lot. It's hitting home a lot more now because I have a child and we have another one on the way. So we're, I'm going to have eventually have two children in the system um, that are going to be again. Hopefully we can see some improvements. But we're seeing a lot of you know overcrowded classrooms, underfunding, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I really have to give kudos kudos to Tracy and the other parents that have really kind of opened their eyes and and woken up to what's really going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes, and this, this destruction of the system, isn't hasn't just happened overnight. It's been mm-hmm. slow, it's been systematic, it's been going on for over a decade. Um, but I think we're getting to the point now where there's the cutbacks and the funding has gone so deep that we look at even schools in, in Mission, for example, where they don't have librarians in the high schools on a full-time basis. You know, librarians, to me, the library is the cornerstone, the hub of any high school. And those are being, like, they, 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 don't, have, they don't have staffing. They don't have librarians there full-time, right? So there would be a couple blocks during the, uh, during the day or during the week where kids can't access the library. And that, to me, is absolutely insane. So, anyways, that's part of the reason um, I've gotten involved and uh, will continue this fight. And uh, I wanted to thank you for the opportunity for inviting me in today. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you kind of took my thunder away there because I thought, you know what? We got a school trustee and a school teacher in the same room, right? <laughs> I thought for sure we have a big fight. But no, no, you just, took, you just thanked Tracy right away. Well, yeah, and you know what? Like, like, And Tracy mentioned, actually, before we came in, was I think she's realizing just how big of a system it is. Yes. And what is tricky about this is that there's so many different people involved, from parents to teachers to trustees to administration. You get unions involved. You get support staff involved. Um, you get business involved, and so it's a huge, huge system. So it takes forever to see things go from one way to the other. But I think at the end of the day, I would like to think that people like Tracy and myself and anybody else and parents, they're all in it for the same reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can get to the bottom of this today. Mm-hmm. And thank you guys. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. Thanks here for the and, invite. Uh, thank you. But in the meantime, let's go back to our usual segment with Nancy and the State History. All right. And we're going to do that. 
do this day of history, which is a roundup of those events and individuals that altered and illuminated the days between March the 30th and April the 12th. So starting with March the 30th, that was a really interesting day um, in Trinidad and Tobago. I hope I'm pronouncing that right because it was it still is called Baptist Spiritual Shouter Liberation Day. Try and get that, that on a t-shirt. That's a mouthful. Shouter is or chowder? Well, no, shouter with an S-H. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Baptist Spiritual Shouter Liberation Day. That made me hungry all the time. Well, some <laughs> <laughs> shouter. Yeah, we could change it to a food shouter. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is the day celebrates the repeal of an ordinance in 1912 that prohibited spiritual shouter Baptists from being imprisoned for practicing their faith. So what, what did they practice their faith when you were a shouter? That they did. They they had quite a bit of uh, celebration during their um, uh, church uh, services. They were a lot of singing, a lot of dancing, and a lot of neighbors were upset. Mm-hmm. And so they finally passed the ordinance, which in 1917 was, was repealed. So that's kind of an interesting day. April 1st, of course, was April Fool's Day, and this is not an April Fool, it's also Edible Book Day. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, Edible Book Day is an international day where edible books are created, displayed, and small events are held, and if one has to eat one's words, that's the best way to do it. Maybe that's how the grapes of wrath start. Grapes of wrath. That's going to be So, speaking of April Fools, um, in 1957, one of the greatest April Fools hoaxes was broadcast by, of all organizations, the BBC, which we all think of as being such a state organization. But this hoax, if you look on the list of all-time great April Fools hoaxes, this is always at the top. And here it was. It was called the Spaghetti Tree Hoax. And what they did was they reported a three-minute report on um, a program that had a little video to go along with it. And what it was is the BBC said that it was showing a family in southern Switzerland harvesting spaghetti from the family (laughs) spaghetti tree. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so here's how it all happened. 
In uh, April, the New York Yankees were invited to play an exhibition game against a double-A minor team in Chattanooga called the Chattanooga Lookouts. There's a mountain there called Lookout Mountain, so that's where that comes from. So the game was supposed to be on the 1st, but it was raining on the 1st, so it was postponed to the 2nd. Okay, so Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, heavy hitters of the Yankees, 4,000 fans turned out to watch the game. First inning, Yankees at bat, lookout pitcher gives them a walk and a run, and the coach says, you're out of here, replaces them with the lookout star pitcher, Jackie Mitchell. Okay, Jackie was a nickname because the pitcher's full name was Bernie Bernice Mitchell. She was a girl, a 17-year-old oh, girl wow, with a wicked southpaw pitch that had earned her a pending contract with the lookout. So she was, she was really, she was a hot babe. She really was. So <laughs> up first, Babe Ruth strikes him out. Next up, Lou Gehrig, same thing. He goes down swinging, and there's actual video of the two of them walking away, disgusted, throwing their bat down, wow. and the whole thing. Now, the whole 4,000 fans in the bleachers stand up, give her a standing O, and she's just triumphant. She's just prancing around. So after she, she um, strikes them out, the Yankees go on to win 14-4, but her victory strikeouts still stand in the baseball history books. So there's a controversy as whether or not because it was April Fool, it was a setup, or whether or not oh. you know she really was good enough to strike them out. But even so, her time in the sun at 17, mm-hmm. she went on to play with other teams and retired at age 19. She reached her peak. And a little note back, it was also the most exciting thing in baseball ever. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Nobody fell asleep that day. Great story. So, April 5th was, of course, Easter. April 9th was Jimmy Rich Day in Canada. Uh, April 10th was Siblings Day in the U.S. So, in 1972, April 10th, this guy comes up <laughs> with this idea. Loves it. Louis R. Topple of Chicago, Illinois, tries to think, what can I do to keep smokers from smoking cigarettes? So he comes up with what he thinks is a deterrent. <laughs> it's a pseudo-cigarette package that produced simulated coughing sounds. <laughs> 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 but inside, there's a little you know, miniaturized record player, and there's like, I don't know how much it weighed, but you know, <laughs> it's pretty hefty. You know, so unfortunately, it never made it, or today we would all, you know, the smokers. <laughs> <laughs> With digital technology, they could so do that to right? but, but do you think it would? Do you think a, pa- a smoking cough package would deter anybody? Not all those graphic pictures of, you know, blackened Long, body yeah, parts yeah, yeah. don't do the trick. I don't know that a cough would. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, he, he was serious about it. He yeah. Make it an advertising gimmick, but somehow. Who knows why? It never caught <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, good old Lewis Topple of Chicago, Illinois. So April 11th was National Pet Day, and in 1975 on the 11th, the Apple One was introduced. 
So the original Apple computer, which uh, is called Apple One now, was released by the Apple Computer in 1976. They were designed and hand-built by Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs. We all know Jobs. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm looking up. And, yeah, I'm using my phone. Why not follow him that? I'm there. I'm that. As an Android person. Yeah. Forgot April seventh, which was a very important day, right? And that was I didn't. Kevin's and birthday. And that was my <laughs> birthday. No, I'm waiting for yours, Kevin. Hooray! Well, since we're talking I about that, no respect. I have to add April. April for personally for our family with my mom. It's April fifth is mom's birthday. April sixth is. <laughs> It's, it's, there, there's a uh, you know I, there's three of them in a row that I don't even I can't remember which are which but there's an anniversary in there with my parents my mom's birthday and then there's something else in there too 
I can't remember, but anyways, April's a crazy Happy month for birthday, that. Mom. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I'll throw that out there. Happy birthday to everybody that I forgot to mention my bad. <laughs> <laughs> there we there, go. Send in those birthdays for May, and I promise I'll get them on. Right on. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wanted to start all this with the, um, I wanted to have your opinion on the Scott and Tracy. Uh, there's been a story going on in Chillock. I don't know if you guys have followed that. Uh, Chillock School District. Um, um, a couple of years ago, to uh, to summarize this, uh, most of us know the story here. Um, the school district permitted the uh, distribution of the Gideon Bibles. And the fifth grade student. The fifth grade student in, uh, in the school district. Uh, which, of course, goes against the uh, it's Article cool. 6 of the uh, school charter. School yeah. Specifically says schools have to be conducted in a secular and right. uh, yeah. non religious manner. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they kind of skirted around that, but after. Okay, so these Bibles were distributed, there was a bunch of parents who complained to the district and said this should not be happening. They were distributed to public schools? Yes. Yeah, okay. I remember reading okay. about that. Okay. Several years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. Okay. Okay, so, okay, now go ahead. Yeah, so, so essentially they, they, they kind of skirted around that by. Uh, uh, essentially, th- not uh, distributing the Bibles themselves, but allowing people to pick up, making the Bible available mm-hmm. to people that wanted it with some kind of permission slip. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, uh, several atheist groups like ourselves and all that kind of wrote to them and said, look, if you're going to distribute the Gideon Bible, you have to allow the Quran, the Torah, Satanic etc., all of them, yeah. right? Because you cannot pick a side. Which is, the Chilliwack District basically said, that we're doing it this way, and if you don't like it, too bad. Fast forward to now. Um, sorry, the um, the Center for Inquiry Canada came out because they heard about this, and they're a nonprofit, and uh, they are about to try to promote science. So they uh, came to the school district in Chilliwack, and they essentially said, "We're going to give you guys for the grade five students the magic of magic of reality." Yeah, the magic of reality by Richard Dawkins. Now, Richard Dawkins is the most prominent evolutionary biologist of our time. He also happens to be an atheist. Within 24 hours, the school said no. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought, I was just wondering, what do you guys think about that? I mean, you're, you're a trustee, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you're a teacher. If this was to happen, Scott, are you in this district? Or are you in yeah, no, I'm in Michigan. Okay, yeah. you're in Michigan. Okay, Grade so 4 or 5, actually, right, right where yeah, we're talking. So, yeah, yeah. so, so if, if this was to happen here, knowing that the covers are so bare right now, what, how, what would you say? Um, well, personally, I guess as a teacher, if, if if the district was coming in and saying, I guess it would depend on on how like are they pushing it? Are they saying that you have to do this or else? I mean, in mission, and I don't know about Chilliwack's contract, but I know in mission we have complete autonomy. Teachers have autonomy as to what they want to teach. Like for those that don't know, there, there's a curriculum in BC, right? And it says for grade five, for example, it'll say that a student must be able to do this, this, and this, and this. How you deliver the curriculum is entirely up to the teacher, and that's where the autonomy comes in. So if if a school district was to come and say, Scott, you need to use this in your curriculum, I have that choice to say, yes, I want to use it, or no, I don't. And that's actually contractually agreed upon, except negotiated, whatever. So personally, would I use it? Probably not, because I'd want to avoid a lot of these issues. Um, again, I may... I may Make want to make the parents aware that that it's there, but I don't even know if I'd want to go there because then it, some people could see that as pushing it also, right? Which issue oh. are you referring to here? Sorry, they're offering a science book. Yeah, well, right, uh, right. The the point in this case is that the superintendent in Chilliwack refused to allow it to be even offered. It was she just said no, this is not going to be allowed right. in any sense. But the the issue then is that 
she is also simultaneously allowing the Bible. Exactly. So it's super hypocritical, right? Yeah. yeah. Especially when 24 yeah. hours you didn't have a chance, yeah. chance to read the book yeah. or anything yeah. like that. Well, then, you know, I mean, what I would suggest is obviously getting as much feedback and information from all sides as possible. Um, I don't know if you'd want to go to the parents and ask them what they think, because ultimately, I mean, ultimately, it's it's the not the trustees, sorry, the um, the superintendent and the board staff and and the and the teaching staff that are making those decisions, right? So, as a public system, I would probably just leave it alone. Really? I would leave it alone. I think, yeah, yeah. Or I would do my home. Like, it's no different than than getting a math textbook. Like, what? what makes this math textbook better than this other one, right? Or we're pushing math or science or social studies. History is a big one too, right? Do mm-hmm. what, what issues in history mm-hmm. do we want to push or not, right? Or, you know, we have all these things. So I guess you want to do as much homework as possible and get as much input from all all agencies and facets aside, I would think, you know. So you would consider taking a pass on that particular I would. I would just to avoid that situation. Um, I think it's, it's probably too... I mean, if you're starting to get into... I mean, I, I'm immediately think of the Scientology, right? Or uh, science, yeah, the yeah. whole Scientology mm-hmm. thing. And there's a lot of buy into that too. Um, but I try personally. I mean, and, and I think most teachers too try to avoid a lot of the belief systems, whether it's religion or whatever, um, because it's a public system, right? If if you want to go and push a religion or endorse something, then you need to go into a private school system well, and, and I totally find agree, that. I totally agree with that. But Dawkins' book doesn't push. Atheism. Again, this this would be this would be me having to read it and get yeah, my own yeah, idea. Okay. And, and again, and if there was information in that that I thought was relevant or beneficial to teach kids, why wouldn't I? Okay, okay. right for, yeah, sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just want to make that point clear. Just yeah. because the, the, the man is an atheist, the book is not about atheism. Mm-hmm. It's a book about evolution. Right. It's mm-hmm. evolutionary biology. That's what he's. T- that's what. Oh, the book without is a about. doubt. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the the other thing that comes to mind is Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Like like schools have have, have started to rem- go away from calling it Christmas holidays because of the whole connection to religion, yeah. right? Yeah. And we're turn, calling it winter break, winter, winter break. whatever, right? Yeah. Avoiding the whole religious connotation. So, yeah, it's, I guess because there's, we're still under the whole public system, which would be everybody, whether you're, whether you're Roman Catholic, whether you're whatever, whatever, doesn't matter. So the idea, I think, is to try to keep it public and keep it, not like you said, for non-secular, non-biased, whatever. Yeah. So. Do you, in your school, you've never had that, uh, someone saying, okay, here's Gideon's Bible and you need to no, I you know in my experience, and I mean I've been in almost every school and mission. I've never uh, I've never had either you know from the board staff from administration come say you need to use this book. No, well, that's no. Really true. but I also yeah. know you know I also know that I have a contract that says I'm allowed to pick and choose what I want to use. Obviously, you know the um, the uh, responsibilities on me to using things that I think are appropriate. It's the same with screening um, videos. I mean I use a ton of YouTube and ton of videos for lessons. Obviously, I go through all those first to make sure, you know, if we're talking something as simple as language or swearing or the message that's in there, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe we'll just be giving you a copy of that book. So <laughs> then you can absolutely yeah. go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question for clarification. Is the fact that you're able to pick and choose what you feel is most important for, mm-hmm. for your students, is that something that is a mission school board or is that throughout the province that teachers have that freedom? There is, like, there, there's 60 or so... 60 di- school districts, di- yeah. ...districts across the province, right? And some things are negotiated provincially, salaries, whatever, whatever, but some things are also uh, negotiated locally. Um, I can't speak for other districts, I mean, obviously, but I, I'm, I know... I know there's language in all the contracts that say that might have something to say, you know, yeah, you have complete autonomy, or you have complete autonomy around certain certain uh, 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 subject areas. So, 
I don't know, but I would like to think that for the most part, teachers are are entrusted with the fact that they can pick and choose what they want to use. Right? So, so if the school board says it's okay to distribute Bibles, then as part of the school system and as a teacher, mm -hmm. you would have to give those permission slips out because that's part of what the school board is asking you to do. Well, if they're but asking, of, but in terms of the curriculum, mm -hmm. you'd have autonomy in being able to pick. Yes. Have I got that straight? Yeah, sort of. Mm -hmm. I'm, I like it. Also reminds me of the uh, of the FSAs, right? Mm -hmm. FSAs is another thing that is board or or district initiated, essentially, or government even provincially initiated. Um, we don't have the choice of administering uh, administering administering them, but we are also allowed to inform parents to say, listen, it's your choice. If you want your child to take that test, then yeah, they're going to take it. If you don't want them to take it, then they don't have to. So mm -hmm. it's, it's providing that choice to the community, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, though, teachers, I mean, I know in mission specifically, mission have, they have complete autonomy. They can pick and choose what they want to use to deliver the curriculum. For sure. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, well, my, my with in terms of, you know, coming back to the original issue of the Bible and then the, um, <clears throat> you know, the uh, the uh, evolution book, you know, my, my first question with everything is what's the intention? So what is the intention with sending out, you know, Bibles to kids? What is the intention behind all of it? And, you know, for me, that that's really the key piece. Uh, you know, personally, if my kids, you know, came home, with something like that, um, as a parent, I, I would be pretty annoyed that that mm -hmm. was something that was handing out because it is public education and it is intended to be accessible to to all, you know. And so anything that we're doing that uh, is limiting or is any way uh, exclusionary, you know, I, I have a problem with that, you know, as, as an individual. And, I you know, I can't speak on behalf of the entire board, just speaking as an individual trustee. But, uh, you know, I would be extremely uncomfortable with any kind of distributing any kind of religious mm -hmm. uh, material to, to schools. As far as I'm concerned, that's not that's not my place. That's It's a private school. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. A definitely it's a private, private schools, school, yes. Yeah, yeah. I agree. If if you're going to go in a direction as of something that is so sensitive as religion or something that's or culture. Totally yeah. culture yeah. that's a completely different branch. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And it, yeah. it was it was not the uh, the intention of uh C F I C to, to do that as well. When no. they were distributing the book, the book is designed to explain evolution in layman's term and to well. pique that curiosity. To get involved more in the science. Well, I but think do also you have that right. Their intention in distributing the book was to to show the hypocrisy of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was not exactly. so much that they actually wanted the book distributed right. as that they wanted to point out that there was a religious bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. That's, yeah. Why, that's why they, yeah. they distributed. Exactly. They tried to distribute to Chilliwack and not right. Mission, for example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So. I b I believe that again, if you're going to take. Take uh, it upon yourself, if, if myself as a parent, if I chose to raise my child in a specific religion and I strictly wanted her in that religion and that's what I wanted her to learn and I uh, wanted to close her mind to everything else, then that's on my desk. I've, mm -hmm. I choose to do that. I need to go to a private school mm -hmm. somewhere that where she'll learn that. If I choose to put my child in public school, I need to open myself up to right. the uh, possibilities. Yeah. I'll destroy my well equipment. Said. 
fun. Don't destroy my equipment. Expensive stuff. Passionate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's exactly right. I'm yeah. waving. Uh oh. You know that song. <laughs> we got a pop quiz coming up. Oh. Uh, oh yeah. That's okay. Pop quiz. Pop quiz. That's what you genuinely know. I'm gonna have to ask Karen to do the bell this time. I don't have. What do I ring the bell for? If somebody gets the mic. Oh, at the end. At the end. Let everybody answer. How the show survived this long is beyond me because we're not professional. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're talking about education today. Let's go with our questions. Question one. What percentage of students enroll and move on to higher learning after high school in BC? Is it A? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Higher learning is just like past, post-secondary. Yeah, post-secondary. Secondary. Okay, post-secondary. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is it A, 70? Is it B, 86? C, 91? Or D, 95? I'm going to 70. 70. I'll go 70 as well. Me too. 70. 70. Everyone says 70. You guys are all geniuses. It is 70. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Apparently close to 15% take a sabbatical year out of that 30%. That after, after the grade 12. Yes, they take a sabbatical year. Question two. This is a great start. According to 2004 StatCan, what religious denomination of people 15 and over is ranked number one, two, and three in Canada? Is it A, Protestant, Sikh, Sikh, Catholics? Is it B, Catholics, none, United Church? What's none? What? None. None, as in no None. None. Oh, none. Is it C, the Mennonites, the Protestants, and Jehovah's Witnesses? Or is it D, the Baptists, the United Church, and the Sikh? I'm going with B. D. There's lots of Sikhs in D.C., but not across oh. Canada. No. No, I, I agree. Um, I've forgotten. I've forgotten. I'll go, I'll go C just because it hasn't been called out yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, maybe we should go with number one. Number one, number one would be A, Protestant, B, Catholics, C, Mennonites, D, Baptists. No one goes for that one? No. Okay. That was A? No, actually it's B. The Catholics are mm-hmm. the most, uh, the biggest religious <laughs> denomination of people. Yeah. And uh, okay. the nuns, with no affiliation, like atheists and everything, is actually number two. For United Church group. is number three. Hmm. I, mean, yeah, I know the United you Church. You can't bring that. Nobody got it. I did. She oh, did. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. You're just seeing the answers here. No, I'm not. I know the United Church is big across Canada. It's like the Canadian Church. Okay, question three. In BC, this is in 2014 report. The number of reported classes province-wide is 68,020. What percentage of that are reported classes over 30 students? Can you read that again? Yeah. There's 68,020 classes across the province. Oh, with 20 kids? What? No, no. 68,020. Oh, 20. Okay, okay. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Classes across... uh, What is the percentage Mm -hmm. of these classes that are actually over... That have over 30 students? Mm -hmm. Is it A, 10%. B, 17, C, 1.5, or D, 6%. How many students are there? I'm going to go for 6%. I'll go 17. I was going to yeah, go 17. 17. Yeah, 17. Yeah. B is 17, right? 17? Yeah. yeah. Actually, no. The, the, the right answer is 1.5. Wow. wow. Really? According to the government report, only 1,067 classes are reported to have over 30 students across the province. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Okay. Uh, my question four. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like my seventeen. Yeah. 
Parents were asked if they felt teachers cared about their students and they were satisfied that school prepared them for the future. What is the prospective percentage that agreed with that statement? Is it A, 50 to 56 percent, B, 60 to 82, uh, C, 35 to 60, D, 70 percent to 38, or is it E, under Christie Clark's government, they don't have a future? (laughs) (laughs) What was B? B is uh, 60 to 82. 60 to 82 percent. I'm going to I, I, I like the 82 also. Yeah. What are the other numbers again? Sorry. 50, 56, 60, 82, 35, 60, 70, 38. 35, 60. Actually, the, question, the, the answer is 70 and 38. 70? Yeah. 38, what? 38 70, to 78 percent? Uh, no, yeah. Okay. So you can understand this question essentially is 70 percent of this, this uh, the teachers. Uh, Sorry, 70% okay. of the parents feel that the okay, teachers care about getting the students, garbled. Yeah. but only 38% think that the schools are preparing them. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. 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 You need to pay attention oh, here. Oh, you need to read the question cool. better. All of us. I need a blackboard. <laughs> I need a blackboard. What? So now we all have to go back to school for critical listening. Right, exactly. Right. Oh, yeah, no. that or myself. I just have no, to. Okay. And my t-shirt is going to be... What percentage, last question, what percentage of parents were satisfied with the level of knowledge taught to their kids about climate change and personal finances? Oh. Climate change and personal finances? That's yeah, right. Lump those together? Yeah. They, yeah apparently you can. Apparently you can. That's what it said. You know, I'm just going by the stats, the government stats. Where were the, sorry, Kevin, where were the questions from? The government. Like, did, did you put the questions together? Yes, I okay, did. Okay, okay, um, gotcha, okay. Which site? I forget the name of the site now. But it was it was a, the government site, basically the report of okay. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, 2014. Sure. Okay. Um, is it A, 80% plus B, between 70 and 80? C, between 50 and 60, or D, between 35 and 45? Or no. E, climate change, what's that? D, I'm going to go with D. Yeah, D. I was going to D, too. That is E. <laughs> it is between 35 and 45%. 35 essentially being the level of the, they're satisfied about, about climate change, and 45% satisfied about Personal finance. Well, that's kind of ridiculous because I would say my children are very knowledgeable about climate change, climate but change, not at yeah. all about right. personal but finance. Yeah, so how can you put no. those together. Yeah. But no, it's what they learn in school. I know that. That's what I'm saying. Like you didn't, you learn about climate change, but they didn't learn anything about personal finances that I can recall. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a flaw in the system. Yep. All right. So, okay. Perfect. We're moving on. Okay, I wanted to ask um, a couple of questions I got from students, actually, for both of you guys. Nice. Uh, This is from a grade 8 student. Why can't the school district figure out the problem with revolving electives? (laughs) Why can't the school district figure out the problem with revolving electives? Now, I asked this because I wasn't sure what a revolving elective is, but I think you know better. Okay, so this is my daughter. She's in grade 8. So she's in grade 7 last year in middle school, and then she's in grade 8 this year. She's supposed to go through all the different electives. She's had the same four electives over and over and over again. She has not experienced anything but those four electives out of whatever the 8 or 16 she's supposed to experience. And uh, I don't really understand how that can happen, but (laughs) it has so. Yeah, well, I think and that... Um, I just want to... You, Tracy just got elected, so all these problems that you're inheriting, they were not your making. And we fresh are meat. Aware. That's right. Yes, <laughs> and fresh, fresh yes, just fresh. Um, uh, 
<laughs> what did I sign up for? Um, <laughs> I <laughs> welcome to Lift and Develop. Yeah, right. Um, I think that uh, that I think that that exact issue is part of the reason why the uh, why the board looked at reconfiguring and moving to two proper middle schools and one senior secondary school and. Um, I know that with because my son is in grade seven this year, and he'll be going into grade eight next year, and he will not be repeating his electives that he did this year. Uh, he will be doing different electives uh, than he did this year. So I'm not sure if that is as a result of of the uh, reconfiguration. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't have a specific answer as to why that happened and I know also that it's different school to school right? mm -hmm. you know and, and it, it does it comes back to you know numbers of students and teachers available well not teachers available we've got that we've got the teachers available but it's the number of students mm -hmm. uh, you know that want to go so hopefully with having uh, the class the the two middle schools condensed from you know essentially three middle schools to two there will be sort of that critical mass of students to be able to offer the better you know, better electives, more more offerings, and more more choice. Yeah, just just to add to that, um, I think the reality and mission is that it's a it's a small district. Yeah. Right. It's a small district with not a ton of not a ton of kids, um, and you know, most you know, government anyways is always talking about declining enrollment and all that stuff. But um, the uh, the reality is that Mission can't sustain three high schools. It hasn't no. been able to sustain it. Um, in this particular issue, though, those those other classes are being taught. She just never gets into them. Right, right. Oh, well, she never right. gets into them. That's oh, the it's, not, it's not that they're not offered. It's just that they're not, she's never scheduled to take them. Right. So then that would that would come down to. I mean, obviously, coming down to getting getting the name I in there as fast as possible. Pound, again, pound like literally, seriously. You as a parent going into the school district, going into the office, and saying, "Listen, this is what my kid signed up for." Mm -hmm. Right. She Why can that not? Choice. That's the thing. In grade seven and eight, she doesn't get a choice. She's supposed to go through right. all the and, rotation. And, the the, rotation, and, the, and yeah. part of the reason of that is is because it's because of either lack of funding for one, because you know she talks about the teachers, um, but the teachers are only based on the, on right. the number of kids. Oh yeah, right? I, I know that. So yeah, if sure. if there if there's a shortage of kids, which there has been because you have you have the grades from like right now it's seven to twelve spread out over yeah. three schools. Right. The the biggest concern is the grade twelves, for example, or grade elevens and twelves, because there's just not enough of them. That when you spread out that small group of kids across three schools, oh, yeah. no, I, it's I impossible to be able to offer. Like you can't, and and Tracy would know this. You can't offer a course, any course, when there's only, when there's only like ten so, kids, yeah, right? Uh -huh. Like so there, the school boards, either in Mission or across the province, are always trying to maximize. If it's gonna if it's gonna cost the school district. In mission, what they do is they budget ninety thousand dollars per teacher, not not the fact that they get paid ninety. That would be nice, but they do ninety thousand dollars <laughs> salary plus the benefits and all that, so they budget it that way. So they want to know that if they're going to put a teacher in front of a bunch of kids at ninety thousand dollars, how many kids are we going to hit? Right? Are we going to hit ten kids? Are we going to hit fifteen? No, we need to hit as many as we can. Mm -hmm. We can't afford to put a teacher in front of a class of ten, even though it would be nice to be able to offer those. Like. And the, the yeah. beauty that's going to come out of this reconfiguration is that it's going to lump all those grade 11 and 12 kids together. So mm -hmm. automatically, because of the logistics, those numbers are going to go up so they can offer more. Not necessarily, and, and to, to hit your point, um, if you're, like right now, they might be offering only one or two English 12s across the three high schools. Mm -hmm. They're going to be offering seven or eight next year 
at one high school. So that's going to free up blocks. It's going to yeah. free up opportunities. It's going to enable, allow people like your daughter to be able to get to those things, hopefully get to one of the ones that they want, right? Yeah. Not yeah. just with the Englishes or anything else, but across the, uh, basically across the district from yeah. the one high school to the two middle schools. It's oh, going to yeah, concentrate yeah. those groups. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I also, to, sorry to interrupt, but no, I do feel okay. that, um, again, what you're saying with, you know, having the number of students, you know, you're going to have, um, that many number of, you're gonna have that many more number of blocks because I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and and wh- I wonder if part of the part of the issue is timetabling and trying mm-hmm. how to figure it all in. Yeah. So sure. I'm hopeful that uh, with having you know um, only two the two middle schools, you're gonna have the flexibility within the timetables to give the kids because it's not like we can o- it's, it's not like we only have four English eight blocks. Now we're going to maybe have, and these are just numbers, I'm just random numbers I'm pulling out of my head, but, uh, you know, let's say instead of having four English eight blocks, now we've got eight English eight blocks. You're going to have a lot more flexibility in terms of where you can plug them in. So hopefully that, that, I think that that is is going to make a difference. Well, hopefully the scheduling will, um, maybe they'll take a little more, uh, I'm not exactly sure, but in the past um, what has happened is my daughter will, um, she has in her mind what she specifically wants to go to university for. She's in French immersion. Um, by that, she is then limited because because she's in the French, she yeah. has to take that. She cannot take these courses, but um, she comes home from the course selection day and says, well, I couldn't take this, I couldn't do that, and I'm I'm thinking, you need that, you need that <laughs> course specifically, but funny, I go in and I meet with the principal and I talk with him and I tell him, look, she needs this, she has to do that, in order to do this, she has to have this, and it's changed, why can they not do that first? <laughs> why why do I have to go in there and show my muscles? <laughs> that's, you know what though? Like like that that's exactly it though. Like that's that's honestly that's where the system is at now. Is that it's yeah. it's so on the parents to really fight and yeah. advocate for your kid because I, I know it, it and it's a ludicrous idea because yeah. you would think that you would think that the system is already there to, to support us to support our kids. Like you would think you would think, right? Yeah. But the reality is that it is so underfunded and so strapped that that is it's on it is literally on the parents to go in there to yeah. hound them yeah. I'm ser- and, yeah. and you know no offense yeah, but to go after the trustees to go after everybody Everyone. to get what you need yeah. I had just as an aside I had um I had two kids in my class this year who have been on waiting lists part of the problem with underfunding mm-hmm. is that these kids who you can recognize kids typically in grade kindergarten grade one or two that are struggling right they're they're not learning at the average sure. whatever whatever yeah. so these two these two kids were I were identified and recognized and say, okay, we're going to put them on the list to get tested. Okay, on sounds great. List. On the list to the get list. tested, right? I know, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and so a month goes by, two months, six months, one year goes by, a year and a half, almost two years. So and these parents the are these parents these parents are putting the trust and faith in the system yeah. that okay we will get that that they're gonna they're gonna get my kid through there. <laughs> we can't. But it was that. it wasn't until that these two kids were in my class. I said you need to go down to the school board right now. Yeah. Like seriously, right now, you take your kid and you go down there right now. Yeah. You ask for an appointment. Yeah. And so she did, and she got that test in a week and a half. Is it, and it was perfect because 
she got it for the one boy. Yeah. And then and I, and then she knew that there was another one, so we banged off two boys there yeah. in literally less than two months. But it was only because they went down yeah. there. Yeah. That's what parents have to yeah. do now. So yeah. like seriously, it you is. need to, and, and anybody else that's listening, you guys have to fight for your kids. Well, you have to. Yes, what does it come? Like when she comes yeah. home and will say, Well, I didn't get into this and yeah. I feel like such an ogre but I say, I'm going to school tomorrow. Yeah. No, you have to. You, you have uh, to. It's, it's unfortunate. It, it's unfortunate that we have to be. We're in that position, but when there's when there's such a lack of funding and staffing and this and that and the other that they, 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 they won't. It did, right. Yeah. And, and it's and it's one thing coming from a teacher because the the public and people and and school boards and trustees and government have heard it from teachers year in year out, day in mm-hmm. day or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you start talking to the parents of those yeah. kids, yeah. that's what really hits home. So that it's been my goal since coming back from this, from the the strike and the dispute. To obviously you're always learning and stuff like that, and wanting to teach better. But to really inspire and encourage those parents to to take some action, yeah. take some ownership. You know, yeah. and this this year with my my daughter's graduating, some kind of like whew, done. Right? Yeah. yeah. There's yeah, a I lot know. of relief. Speaking of graduating students, um, Liam, yeah, you're a graduating student. Yeah. Go right ahead. Do you have a question for these two uh, fine people? Um, what do I have to ask for you? Oh, by the way, that wouldn't be me. Why? I'm not the fine person. Yeah, Li- Liam wants to know why we can't have Taco Day every Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I would just go back to saying lack of funds. Yeah, <laughs> there's no money. It's a taco. We no, don't have money for tacos. Oh, you know what? You would be surprised. You'd you would be, be surprised. Yeah. Actually, the um, it's cardboard. And I know. Something I know. Old mattress filling. <laughs> the money could be no, better spent on things other than tacos. I think. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I joined it under the impression that, you know, we actually get an input into what happens in the school. And then, and then I quickly came to the to the realization that there's no money for anything. And that's what the PAC is That's what the PAC is doing, yeah. yeah. Just to raise money so that we can yeah. have art supplies and all those Basic things that supplies. I well, this, students took yeah. for granted. Yeah, well, and that's, I actually just was listening to uh, an, uh, a radio interview yesterday uh, with the Minister of Education, you know, going, uh, where he essentially indicated that uh, it's, you know, perfectly acceptable for parents and PACs to be fundraising for extras like textbooks and technology. That's and I just insane. think that's, I like, when are textbooks uh, extras? When are, you know, um, when are, you know, technology, we, we live in, in such a modern world and technology is the key, and they, they set out all these mandates for technology, uh, you know, results in, in the mm-hmm. curriculum, et cetera, but there's, then they consider the actual technology itself yeah, it's an extra. Than, it's <laughs> even worse than that because according to the school act, all the, the school books and uh, pencils and everything is supposed to be provided yeah. to right. the students by the That's government. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So every year when they give you that list of stuff you're going out there, you're, you're essentially volunteering to do so. Mm-hmm. When textbooks are an extra, like, why am I even sending my that's, kids? Well, yeah. that's, that's the thing, right? right? And we you know what? To, mm-hmm. I, I would argue that, that that's part of the Liberals' game plan, is to really is to really just burn down the system as much as possible so that people start looking elsewhere. Yeah. And then they can come back and say, well, you know what, declining enrollment. Mm-hmm. But why is it declining, though, right? Mm-hmm. Why has it been declining? Yeah. So just just in this, uh, as a point with the, um, with the school supply list, I remember, I think, when I first started, and, and you'd send home the school supply list with the kids, you know, for next year, whatever, it was always the essentials like, you know, the pencils and binders and stuff like that. But as we've gone on over the last 10 or so years, those lists have started to include things like block uh, paper, for example, you know, photocopying paper, 
to, to be able to give to the school because the schools don't have enough, or Kleenex. Yeah, like simple things like that, right? Well, the liberals are making like, you pay for tissues. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, they're making I the parents. The, well, it's not necessarily. They're, I mean, what what they're what the, the schools what the schools are doing? The schools are recognizing that we don't have enough money to provide a lot of this ourselves. So we're going to go to the parents and ask them to provide it, which that is was, sad because, like you said, coming out of the school act, right? Like it is their job to provide mm-hmm. a lot of those essentials. But there's a really big issue built into that in and of itself, which is that the wealthy areas then have more. Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's, right. That's the big problem. That's right. And, and coming back to, you know, what Scott was saying in terms of parents advocating for kids, you know, there are parents that are not in a position to be able to advocate for yeah. their kids. Exactly. And, you know, the, parent, the, the kids that do have parents that are able to advocate for them, um, you know, are are going to get a better quality education than the than mm-hmm. the kids who don't. And for me, that's really the uh, that that is I find what's what's really heartbreaking is that it is. It's supposed to be public public education. It's supposed to bring you know equality and equity yes, and let everyone right. go on an even playing field. But you know you get you know the school public schools in Point Grey mm-hmm. are doing things differently than public schools in uh you know more vulnerable areas so it's that that's where it i that's where i really see it eroding like it's it's mm-hmm. again just keeps feeding into the haves and the have nots and mm-hmm. it just perpetuates it and you know yeah so for the kids who've got parents that advocate it's great and that that for me is what i've been i've recognized it in terms of being a school trustee is that yeah, as a parent i advocate for you know my two kids but as a school trustee, I'm I'm trying to advocate for all 6,000 kids in the district and the kids and the parent like the kids that don't have parents that have the ability for whatever reason to mm-hmm. advocate for them. That's well, it's, it's heartbreaking. It can be as simple as you have a job where you can't afford to take a day off work no. and you don't get a paid day off. Then when are you going to go? When are you going to go and talk that to the teacher? Mean yeah. That you don't yeah. love your child and you don't want the best. No, right. yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. Do not that's have right. The that just don't have the ability. Right. There's yeah. all not, there's all sorts of things that prohibit and limit people yeah. from being able to, to you know parents from being able to engage. It, it mm-hmm. runs the gamut, and that's that's where I really see you know the system failing is that you know unless you've got a parent that is that is engaged, it's pretty easy to slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. So that gets me into the next question. Since you're a new you're a new trustee and you've been elected in November, what is the status of the uh, school district uh, here in Mission? Oh, let me get the proper music for this. What do you mean by the status? Yeah. Like, what is this district like? What are the finances? What are, what's the? <laughs> 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 you know, let's answer that. <laughs> well, we're well, we're. I mean, we're just uh, beginning our budget talks, and uh, you know, it's every year it gets harder and harder, and you know, with these cuts that uh, they've asked us to make for administrative cuts, um, the previous board made cuts. Uh, to our administration, to the tune of you know seven hundred and fifty to eight hundred thousand dollars a year, they made cuts that saved us that kind of money a few years ago. And what's happened now is that the the ministry doesn't seem to recognize that we've already cut you know three quarters of a million dollars out of our out of our budget for administration, and now they want us to cut another three hundred. It's almost it's almost you feel like you're almost getting penalized. Like we tried to do the right thing years ago, and now. You know, it doesn't make still keep cutting, keep cutting, keep cutting, and like at a certain point, I I don't I don't know how it's gonna you know. So it's sorry, I was gonna say because the a lot of times the safety comes into into play, you know, for whatever reason, safety, supervision, whatever. But I like what Tracy said in the fact that a cut is a a cut might have happened last year, but we I think we the public have such a short term memory 
that we tend to forget that those things have already been cut over the last five or six years, so we're going to yeah. cut even more and more. It's not like we're replacing them or they magically yeah. appeared. Once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. So then now you're asking us to cut even more and keep going and keep going, but we're I think a lot of times people or the general public forgets that we cut a whole bunch of these things already. We've already cut so, and cut so and cut. Like one, one example is, I mean, the busing is a big one that's been going on because we have to pay for busing now, you know, yeah. for, uh, for parents. And, and, you know, like Tracy was saying, you know, parents having the ability to get kids to school or, or or to get to yeah. advocate for their kids. I mean, so now we're asking parents that they have to they have to get the kid to their own school when it was provided for years. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't seem to make sense, yeah, right? Especially in a place like Mission, which is very it's rural. It's huge. It's absolutely so you, huge. You live like miles and miles out of yeah. town, and you're yeah. six years old. You're not going to walk to school. No, absolutely not. And and you know what? Some parents just don't have the ability to get their kid to school. And mm-hmm. fair enough, right? But that's where the government would come in and say, "Listen, we'll provide that for you." Mm-hmm. But it's not happening. It's actually quite the opposite. Yeah. And yeah. then the other one I just wanted to mention was the um, was uh, secretaries and office staff. You know, they when you're trying to cut back stuff, you're trying to cut back the most least impactful things as possible. Right. Some people would argue that that a secretary is way more valuable, which I would too. Um, but the secretaries are are being cut back. Like their hours are being cut back to the point that there may not be a secretary answering that phone at that school 24-7 as long as the school is open because they because they can't afford to pay them full-time. So to me, a secretary is the front lines of any school. They see anybody that comes in and out, mm-hmm. right? But if they're not there to, to observe or record or whatever, people that are coming in and out, then that's a health and safety issue. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. of custody as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I have, I've had, I mean, over my 10 years, who knows how many, but how many emails and messages I've got to listen, so-and-so can go home with this person, but they can't go home with this person, mm-hmm. right? And that's usually on the secretary to recognize so-and-so coming in. Mm-hmm. But if that secretary is not there, then we got a problem, <laughs> you know? So I, I honestly think it's just a matter of time until something serious happens. Mm-hmm. I think also one more thing is the uh, a lot of the high schools in the metal shop, the uh, auto, you know, all those ones, right? And you have and you have such a lack of supervision or whatever, you know, and, and you talk class size and all that. But it's just a matter of time until somebody really gets hurt. Until somebody really yeah. gets hurt. You know, and then, then all of a sudden you might see some miraculous funding. But why would it have to take somebody severing yeah. off their arm or their yeah. finger, yeah. right, or whatever, for I, something to happen? My daughter mm-hmm. did cut off the end of her finger. Right? And her teacher came, actually was sitting in the in the hospital with her, and the teacher came and after school, was out, and he was so apologetic. He said, I can't believe this happened, but he's got all these other kids. He said, there's a That's bunch right. of kids in the yeah. class that I cannot take my eyes off Absolutely because right. something horrible will happen. Yeah. And she was quiet and trustworthy, and so he wasn't didn't have his attention right on her at that moment. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was minor. It's not like it was a big deal, but he felt terrible, and I can understand why he did. And... And and just that he shouldn't have to make those choices. It's not it's not his place to have to be deciding which students he has to watch all the time. Exactly. You know, yeah. it should never come to that. I would encourage any parent out there that's listening right now to actually go and take a look to the auto shop and the metal yeah. shop and all that. Absolutely. Uh, I did that uh, not too long ago, and I was actually appalled at what I saw because I remember when I took auto mechanics. The shop we had was essentially the size the same size as the shop they have at Canadian Tire. It was actually bigger than that. And there, this is Mission School, high school, and what you have is like three door, one lift, and one car, and you're supposed to have, what, 30 students around that one car? The the auto shop, because I took auto classes, was designed for 20 students as the maximum number, and, and you can see that in all of the equipment, like there's 
tables with seats for 20 kids, and if everyone is on a lathe or a milling machine or something, there's 20 of them. Um, That's horrendous. There's no way you can learn anything with that. Yeah, and so when you're actually taking the class, there is always a number of people who are just sitting around doing nothing because there's not enough equipment for everyone. It's like like having one typewriter and 30 students around it trying to learn to type. Not typewriters anymore. I guess I just (laughs) aged myself. (laughs) 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 It's going to come down there and say, I think it's one letter. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. No, it's the problem. It's such a concern because... And it, it, you pointed out at, at the beginning, this is our future. And mm-hmm. our kids exactly. have to go mm-hmm. from here to university, to the world, to make the contribution, to know enough to leave the earth a better place than they found it. And if they're not getting the fundamentals, if they're not getting yeah. the support, if they're That's not right. getting the courses and the classes, when they get to be our age, I guess this is a fear of all of the older generations, what is it, what is it going to be like? Yeah. How are these kids going to be able to cope with the problems that we we're just you know getting into, are they going to be able to have the resources? Are they going to have the uh, the ability you know to be able to to solve some of these some of these problems? Because this is this is fundamental. Mm-hmm. There's so many of these kids that get into college and they they flunk um, freshman English. The the, the the universities complain that the kids are not. Prepared, and yet, how can they be fully prepared when they're so underfunded mm-hmm. that you can't give them the basic mm-hmm. services? It just, you know, is a it, it'll circle be, that you don't want to see completed. No. It'll know? be interesting to see, you know, because this has been going on for about ten, twelve years now, right, under yeah. this liberal government. It'll be interesting to see that that group of kids that have gone through. Yeah. You know, with numbers of, of jobs and average salary, what did they get themselves into, you know, career-wise? It'll be interesting to see where they end up because it, it's, a, it's been such a, it's a huge erosion of the system that we're at the 12, 13-year um, duration now for those kids that started in kindergarten and have gone through to grade 12 to see where they end up in five or ten years. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it'll be it'll, – I'm, I'm actually quite interested just to see where they end up, and we'll see, you know. And that's – there's a larger problem there, too, is – social problem in that, you know, jobs that used to be a good job that you could, you know, mm-hmm. go buy your house, now those jobs don't exist, Absolutely. right? You can be getting minimum wage. So Absolutely. Yeah. To do the same job. So Absolutely. Yeah. And the competition for it just gets greater and greater, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so to me, I guess that just goes right back to that we need to prepare these kids as much as possible because it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, right? Nobody's going to give it to you. You've got to fight for it. You've got to earn it. Like you said, you have to be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. But if we're not, if we can't provide something as simple as a textbook, Right then, then we got a problem there. We have a problem. Yeah, I just have to say, with you know, with three kids in the school system, almost without exception, all the teachers that they've had have been just yeah. so dedicated sure. and so wanting to do the very best for their students. And I don't have any issue with the teachers. No, right. it always seems to come down to the funding. Yeah, and in the way the government, uh, you know, enforces class sizes. Yeah, that's that's one thing I was going to say is that I, um, I am hopeful. Um, and um, because of the work that, you know, our frontline teachers and our principals and those kinds of people, the stuff that they're doing, like the, the teachers, everyone seems to just keep making do, you know, with what they have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it doesn't, it hasn't come, you know, into the, the classroom, you know, all the stuff with, you know, with everything that's been going on, all the, the conflict, the controversy, the strikes. And the teachers just always seem to be able to just, Keep it out of the classroom, and you know, and focused on the kids, and keep keep on keeping on in mm-hmm. spite of the erosion of of mm-hmm. it. You know, there's teachers that have been teaching for 
you know, a long time and are, you know, they've really been able to see the erosion of it and yet they still just, Mm -hmm. they just keep going in every day and doing the best they can, caring about the students. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and like you say, so it's, I am encouraged in that way, in that, you know, the the people that we have in front, um, in front of our kids, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, genuinely care or genuinely trying to do the right thing. And that encourages me. I mean, it, it is bothersome that, uh, they're being asked to do so much with so, so little. Well, what, can I just ask one more question? No, yes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you see as the way forward? What do you? How can we? How can we improve the system and, and restore it? To well, you? let me jump into that because okay. I, I've got kind of the same kind of question. Um, it disheartens it me to see, especially from major media outlets, how they're always trying to knock down teachers' unions. Yeah. You know, it's all their fault. It's you know, you hear that all the time, and I think it's disgusting. People that always say, oh, yeah, it's a big union problem. They've never stepped into school, obviously. But I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I like doing that. Mm-hmm. I actually did work for the school district admission mm-hmm. briefly. Doing what? I was actually uh, part of the uh, uh, custodian team. Well, not, not yeah. the janitors, but the taking care of the grounds. Sure. And I was driving the school bus as well. So I did see the dedication of the teachers, but I also did see waste. I saw a lot of waste. Um... I saw, now this is several years ago, so I'm sure the problems have been resolved since, but I was kind of wondering, you know, um, first of all, do you feel that a lot of the administration is out of touch with the needs of the students, and what have you guys done to maximize efficiency? Just to give you a little quick story, for example, school district at the time had Harley-Davidson safety classes. Mm-hmm. Right? Why do you need Harley Davidson safety glasses? You know, you're putting safety glasses because you know you're cutting glasses, you don't want stuff flying in your eye, or whatever. Or, for example, that story where the school district had two very old pickup trucks that they would use to uh, carry brush and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They were old; they need to be replaced. They bought a brand new twenty-two thousand dollars, I believe, from a, a, a school bus driver. They bought this truck, but never realized that the truck was just not geared to do the work. So they essentially bought a huge truck that could not do the work. So now they ended up with three trucks, and that one truck that was brand new could not carry sand in the bucket, could not carry anything besides grass. Hmm. So it was a huge waste of money there. Yeah. Right? Uh, and I'm sure that they've taken care of it since then. But what do you guys see now that's in place to take care of this, to maximize efficiency? The, um, the first one that comes to my mind as a teacher is uh, the photocopiers. Photocopiers mm-hmm. in the schools are all preset to two-sided now. So you can't, if, if you don't tell the photocopier to print it on one side, it will automatically do it two sides. So that's automatically cutting the paper in half, right? That's now, awesome. it's, it's a smart, it, it's a smart move, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, there's, there's plenty of efficiencies, you know, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head beyond, I mean, that's just the first one because of the, the school, because of where, what I do, but um, I would like to think that because of the budget cuts, because there's mm-hmm. such a lack of money, that they don't have a choice but to try to be as efficient as possible. Um, I think one of the biggest, one of the biggest, thi- one of the biggest ways to, um, to ensure that for the public is to go and ask. Go and ask. Okay, like, like a, 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 yeah. a school district's budget is completely public knowledge. Yep. Anybody can go and ask, okay, well, you have a 50, what is it, 56? 50-something 50 million yeah, dollars. Yeah, million dollar budget. What is it, sorry? It's, it's around 56 million. Okay, for this year coming up? Uh, I haven't whatever. got the I, yeah. I Either way, it's, it's in the it's in the high fifties, right? For for mission, 
And there's nothing stopping a parent going and saying, well, where are you putting the money? Mm-hmm. And, and they, they would show you. It's a big spreadsheet. Say, we're putting X amount. Like, usually the teaching and the salaries are the big one. Yeah, I think but, people don't know that. Right. Yeah, but, but, beyond, you, sorry, but beyond that, like, how much are you putting into the buying trucks or machinery or paying, um, paying uh, staff to cut grass or office, whatever? Um, one of the big ones that we watch as, as the MTU, the Mestizian, we watch the hiring of the administration, of the board staff, um, of uh, the school board staff. And, okay, so we had this X amount last year. We had more or less the year before. And always keeping an eye on that because salary is always the biggest expense, right? Mm-hmm. So, And then we're thinking, okay, well, they hire this person. How is it going to benefit the entire district? Will it or will it not? Or could that money be spent elsewhere? But the big thing, I think, is, is being on top of that budget. Why not? Go, go, and ask, go and ask the trustees. Go and ask the school board staff. Where is that money being spent? Mm-hmm. And that budget, is, uh, it's on our website. It, it's uh, called the uh, SOFI Report. It's our Statement of Financial Information, and it is on our website. Anyone can go to our website, mpfd.ca, and they can take a look. You can go to any school district website, and it will be on there, and you can get a good sense of how much gets spent on what. Yeah, yeah I, I've got, I'm still going to stay a devil's advocate for half a second there. Um, I used to deal with the air cadets around here. And the air cadets, uh, of course, it's not, there's, there's students, but it's not a school-related activity. Right. Right? Extracurricular. Except, yep. et cetera. So whenever they needed to go on trips, they would actually rent a Greyhound bus, go to Victoria, whatever, wherever, right? And they would pay a lot of government money for this because it's funded by the government. I asked several times, why can't the school district provide that bus? And every time I was shut down saying, no, we can't do that. No, we can't do that because we have to pay for a driver. Mm-hmm. Although you would think that the government money, and they're willing to pay for a Greyhound, they have to pay for the driver too, would make more than enough money to compensate for a school bus to do so. There's, 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 te- uh, there's students from the school district, but it's not a school activity, and that seems to be a, not a lost opportunity. Right. I'm saying, you know, if you guys stumble upon these kind of things, are, are you looking into these other sources of revenue? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's, that's uh, one thing with both uh, myself. That's a freebie, by the way. You can use that one. They're still there. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that that's definitely one thing um, that that we have to look at because, I mean, we know that the costs just continue to go up and up and up. And with declining enrollment, our funding just goes down and down and down. And so trying to look at the revenue side of our budget to see how we can come up with ways to, you know, to to increase the revenue and looking at, you know, innovative ways to do it. Well, before I get into the future of education, anybody else wanted to add something to this? Uh, if you had a question, now or never. Is there restrictions? Like, does the, does the ministry say you want to put solar panels on the roof of a school or something? Does, does the ministry put any restrictions on that, or or is this yeah. you have to take it out of your existing budget? Or it would, yeah, it would have to be out of it. Would have to be coming out of the existing budget. You'd have to have permission to be able to do it. And um, you know, it's, they get quite, they gets quite specific about you know, you get money and you don't just get to choose where you spend it. Yeah, you, ha- exactly. it's, it's most of that money is earmarked for very specific things, and what's left over for discretionary is actually quite small. Absolutely. When we, so, yeah. When we had, uh, I think it was the lift fund mm-hmm. from about two or three years ago. Um, the you know, the, all the cutback stuff and all that type of thing, and then the government came up with this lift, which stands for Learning Improvement Fund. And they had given up X amount of money to all the different districts. That came with a stipulation. 
They said, okay, you guys can use this money, but you cannot use it for programs that were previously cut. <laughs> right? Wow. So, okay. <laughs> I know. So was we, there a reason we had, for that? We, or? Well, I think it's because they didn't want it to look like, well, you know, they, they're just they're just replenishing programs that they had to cut because of our cuts prior to that. So the big one in mission was counseling at the elementary level. They there there were such cutbacks about three or four years ago to the point that there were going to be no there was going to be no counselors provided to elementary school children, mm-hmm. which is absolutely absurd. It got it got parents so riled up that you know um, PAC meetings were full and this and that. They finally were able to juggle money around and get a point six, which is three days a week, one person to service the entire elementary population. <laughs> and you honestly think that that was effective? Absolutely not, right? So we were not allowed to, with that lift money, we were not allowed to use it for a counselor, even though that was the biggest need at the elementary level. But what do we do? We get creative, right? Teachers, schools, trustees, whatever, you get creative and you start thinking, okay, well, we want to provide some sort of counseling, right? But we don't, we can't call it a counselor because that was a program that was cut, but we could call it something else. Or to, essentially they were providing some sort of counseling, but um, that was what the government had said was, we'll give you some money, but you mm-hmm. cannot use it for programs that were previously cut, thanks okay. to us, essentially. Which was, out, it was, but that was, like, th- that's what, that's how these things work. It's exactly like she said, like, you could, we can go and put an application for solar panels or something we think that's going to save money, and we may or may not get the permission to do it, but odds are it's going to be super, super regulated mm-hmm. and controlled with what you can do, right? Mm-hmm. It's what you, you do guys savings, yeah. You're almost hoping for Daddy Warbucks to come by and help you guys with your budget in the way, right? Well, philanthropy from the public. Actually, or an overhaul of the of the provincial government. But you, you know, you know what? Priorities are yes, exactly. Priorities, exactly. Priorities. The problem, the problem I have with people with people donating money or fundraising stuff like that is it gives the government more reason not to fund it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I can appreciate all the work that PACs do with raising money and buying things and this and that, but that's the government's job. Like you said, to provide to provide for our children, right, our, our most greatest resource, that when I see so-and-so or a company, for example, donate X amount of dollars, I'm like, that's great, but that just gives a reason, that just gives the government more reason not to do it. Mm-hmm. So well, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's, it's another case of the government putting the burden on the taxpayer yes. to fill in. If they don't have to pay for it, they know that parents and, and teachers who are invested in our children's education and, and their children's success will somehow come up with the money. And how, sorry, they don't care how, they figure, you know, it's, it's just another burden on the taxpayer rather than taking money out of their own pockets that are earmarked for other projects. I don't want to get into the earmarks, <laughs> but they, I think they, they know that, the, that the each local district will sacrifice in, in many ways that they can to make sure that the children mm-hmm. get it. And so where's the incentive for the government to reprioritize and put it back in education? That's right. Okay, well, in the meantime, what we'll do is we'll do a bonus round. A bonus round. This is when you get the star on Mario. That's, that's right. Yeah. What we're doing is we're, we're figuring uh, out. Yeah. What, we, what I did is I uh, pulled a whole bunch of suggestions that other school districts from around the world did to help with their budget. So I just wanted to bang that off and see what you guys think about that. Um, for example, there's some school districts that uh, the buses could be converted or purchased to function on propane or electric. If propane, a bulk price could be purchased. Doable? Mm-hmm. Feasible? Uh, I think anything is doable. The, like we've mentioned before, that's a politician's answer. I know, I know. But um, <laughs> the thing, the thing with mission, I mean, I don't. Again, I mean, who knows? A lot of it's hearsay and whatnot and, and speculation. But the thing with mission is, is the busing. The district is absolutely huge, right? Like we've talked about with so a lot of the rural communities, rural families. So I don't know. 
tough to say. No. Yeah. It's it's hard to know without yeah, the, having the, sort of more intimate knowledge of the, of the all realizing that. that propane, especially especially here uh, in the in the, the Fraser Valley, the weather is clement enough that propane would be cheaper than diesel. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Montgomery County, uh, teachers were compensated and asked to teach extra periods. Thus, the district avoided hiring having to hire new teachers. I would I would like to know what the what you mean by compensated like how comp how how well, they compensated. were financially compensated I guess I, I guess yeah. they realized that paying a bit extra overtime mm-hmm. for the teachers was still cheaper than hiring new teachers yeah and yeah I mean I've, I the one thing that comes to mind there is uh, is extracurricular and we have a big issue right now in the district with coaching yeah and 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 uh, teachers volunteering their time um, which I think has been we're, we're at. We, we've gone so far, like the pendulum with, with teachers and what they do has gone so far one way in the fact that it's almost been expected now. That, you know, well, teachers, will, they'll, they'll do the coaching, they'll do the art, they'll do the, the drama, the dance, whatever, anything before, after school, whatever, weekends and all that. So, um, whereas I'm under the belief now that, you know what, no, if, if I'm going to put in my time, especially more so now, I guess, personally, with, with, the, with my own family at home, was my time's pretty valuable. And, and and I've gone to the school district and I've gone to the MTU and, and, and I've asked, I said, listen, should we talk about compensating teachers or anybody that wants to put their time in? Mm-hmm. No different than anything else. I mean, in any other sector, in any other business working sector, they call that overtime, mm-hmm. right? Like we're contractually obligated to work from X to Z or whatever. If I'm going to put in my time afterwards, that is servicing, in this case, doing my job above and beyond what's in the contract, then yeah, I think I'm owed that. You know, and, and, and I mean, obviously not to get super rich, but mm-hmm. anything. So, to pay to pay teachers for additional time, tough to say. Tough to say. All right. Um, some school districts have sold their old equipment on eBay. <laughs> some As school districts have sold their own equipment. Their old equipment. Okay. Yeah. Their old equipment on eBay. Mm-hmm. And why not? And why not? Could probably mm-hmm. sell the shop equipment to a museum. At <laughs> <laughs> good one. Good one. Um, Apparently, composting in school gardens are relatively cheap to create, and savings can be produced uh, when using the products for school cafeterias okay. or sell to the public. It also has the extra benefits of creating extra elective courses for the students. That you, there's no, you'd have to convert your entire field, playing field, into a garden to be able to produce enough produce to actually. I'm not saying feed all of the cafeteria, but whatever you do produce could be. Oh uh, yeah, all two meals of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, they're just ideas. You guys tell me what you, you think it's good or bad. Um, I think it's important. Gardening is a good thing, but I don't think it's a heavy generator. Right. There's a no. school district in uh, California called Mount Diablo. That's actually quite true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> apparently, they will save $220 million over 30 years due to installing solar panels, off- which will offset 92% of all their electrical costs and generating electrical income to resell to the grid. And, uh, and the extra savings allowed for hiring of more teachers. Well, first thing I'm thinking of there is that you said they're California, mm-hmm. so the weather's a lot different. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that, that's still power doable here because Germany, solar panel. Germany does it too. Right? Yeah. So I, again, I mean, I, I would be curious to know what the setup cost for that is. And, and again, like like Tracy said, you know, there's there's just not money. Even though you could say, you know, yeah, we're going to gain 200 million dollars in 30 years. Right? Nobody really cares about that. People are concerned about what is it going to cost now mm-hmm. to make. Like it gets down right? to like the you know ninety five thousand dollars. Like right. let's say it costs you know fifty five, I don't know thousand sixty five thousand dollars ninety five thousand dollars to put those panels in. That's going to affect 
your budget bottom line this year. And for districts that perhaps have surpluses that can do that, and there are a few large districts, but for small districts like ourselves, they, that there is you, barely hold, it on, you can there. barely yeah. hold it together. Just you know, just just mm-hmm. to keep it to keep things going as is, and that yeah. that's 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 that that cycle. With it is. This get interesting to me though. Like MSS is on the waiting list to get a new building. Um, because the existing one is very old and kind of dilapidated. But when they did rebuild it, I don't see that it would cost any more to, you know, go with a very efficient uh, energy-saving design as opposed to a conventional one. And so then you would save money over the long term by maybe putting your panels on or even just having a building design that's very efficient. Um, So you're already doing the work. You're already rebuilding the school. Why not do it in a way that will save you money in the long run? And I think most of them do now, but again, that's that's all government regulated. Yeah. Like it's the it's the the government comes in and says you you know we're building the school or we're not building the school and you have this much money for this and you have this much money for that and it's 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 the ministry. So basically, it's from everything you two say, it sounds like every all parents especially, but I think all British Columbians because I think of course incredibly short sighted to think that just because you don't have a child in the school system you're not going to benefit. Mm-hmm. Right. But but there are people who say that. But anyway, so everyone needs to just lobby the government, say, look, we need this. We need more funding for the schools. We need the schools to have the ability to generate their own funding. We have, we just have to be relentless. Absolutely relentless. I think, um, you know, Christy played it smart when uh, when they settled and she came out and said, you know, we've got five or six years of labor peace now. Like, things are okay. Just because the kids are back in school and because the teachers are back at work and it's business as usual doesn't mean that things are okay. Mm-hmm. They're actually worse. And so for her to say that was a complete joke. And then what happens? Well, five six months later, they come out with with the um, with this. They they want to cut back fifty something million dollars over the next two years. Yeah. So how is that expected to cause peace or or allow us to provide those opportunities and provide and prepare kids? It's, yeah. It's shameful. It's absolutely shameful. So. Yeah. It's it's like you said. I mean, it's truly, truly on the parents and the public to really, to really go after their MLAs and really go after um, the powers of be. Because at the end of the day, you know, she controls the purse strings of mission, but she doesn't control how much comes yeah. into mission. Yeah. But right? like like you said, it's all kind of the attendance. You said mm-hmm. if it's declining, well, then we only will give you this much. This much money. It's per student, right? Yeah. Like, like each each student in in mis- or sorry, mission in the province is funded a little under seven grand right. per kid, so which is ridiculously low. It, it is. So then you almost feel like you you want to go. Well, I hope you, but we can't tell anybody. We right. can't let the whoever it is, the purse strings, mm-hmm. know. So, but we need that money. So. We'll get it. So overall, we're going to have to finish this here real soon. So overall, positive, negative, looking at the future? I'm I'm, I'm skeptical of what's going on. I'm, a, I'm very afraid of where um, where they're going. I think this Bill 11 that they introduced is just a start. Yeah. Um, that one is, is, is attempting to remove power from the trustees. Um, there's also talk of uh, amalgamating school boards. Um, and the fact that they might amalgamate, for example, the Fraser Valley from Maple Ridge to Mission to Abbotsford to Fraser Cascade to Hope, having that all one board. And then their their explanation of that would be, well, it's, it's to save money. Like Then we can do all these different things and we don't have to pay as many people. But so many inefficiencies. I know. It, well, it would. And you know, the, the main example that comes out of there is the Fraser Health. They did the same thing they to the, the Fraser Health. Health Authority. And they sold it and they got it through and it's the worst thing they could have done now. And I think of... Um, 
I think of just just the identity and the culture of a, of a place like Mission, for example, right? What what is needed in Mission isn't what's needed in Maple yeah. Ridge or Hope or Abbotsford or right. vice versa or whatever. So. I'm really skeptical um, of where they're going. And just, just from the, the $54, $53 million, whatever it is, that, that they want to pull out over the next two years, um, I think they've got quite the agenda that they're trying to push here, and it's it, it literally scares the hell out of me. So, no, I'm super skeptical. And that's, it hasn't – so that's always been my goal, like I've said before, was to really encourage those parents to get out there, encourage the public to really get out there. What about you, Tracy? Uh, yeah, I think that uh, provincially, you know, for sure we are um – Public education is is certainly being threatened. Um, you know, if 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 the ministry continues the way that it will, you know, it it is serious. It is going to jeopardize public education. It is a jeopardizing public education. Um, but one thing I have noticed since you know being elected and coming onto the board, I am I have been really encouraged um, as a parent and as 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 a trustee to see you know the hard work that everyone does, like all the people that work at our board office, our superintendent, our super assistant intendant, you know, our director of instruction, our principals, like we've got so many great people here that that genuinely want what's best for kids and that that uh, are genuinely trying to do the right thing within this big machine and whatever it is. But I, I am hopeful, you know, based on, on that that humanity and that intention of the people that are trying to do the right thing and it's again it's like all the rest of us just starting out small and I'm just going to keep kind of doing what I can just that small stuff but locally I am hopeful I'm trying excellent well thank you so much to our guests thank you for everybody for coming guys thank you and we could be talking about this forever yeah (laughs) of course out there you can follow us at the left at the valley dot com or uh, send us an email left at valley at outlook dot com anything else you want to Thank you all for coming. Yeah, thank keep, you. Thank you for Keep in tune for the next couple of shows. David Smalley, David Fitzgerald, Heaven Meta. Until next time, guys.